Hello and welcome to Kennebec Connection, a weekly podcast from the pulpit ministry of Kennebec Baptist Church in Andrew, North Carolina. We hope that today's message will strengthen and encourage you as we study God's Word. If you'd like to know more about us or our ministries, feel free to contact us through the internet at www.kennebecbaptist.org. That's K-E-N-N-E-B-E-C, Baptist.org. May God bless you as we share together in His Word today. Four Sundays, I have been to two mega churches and two not so mega churches. I have uh, talked to other pastors. I have um, listened. I have uh, looked around, and I got something to tell you. It's good to be back. Um, I'm actually encouraged after going and visiting with other churches, and I saw a lot of good things, and I saw some not so great things too. But um, after all these travels and all these things. Uh, the one thing that I am encouraged with is that it is good to be in God's house. I want to thank you guys for the gift of a sabbatical. I didn't realize how badly I needed it until I got it. Um, it was a, a just a wonderful time for me just to be able to relax a little bit, spend a lot of time in the Word, a lot of time talking to God. Uh, I learned what a podcast was during this time. I, I, I listened to a lot of those. And... Uh, I learned a lot of things, but in all those things, uh, one of the things that I learned is how blessed and how grateful I am to God for Kennebec Baptist Church, and it is good to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, one interesting things about uh, the times that we are in, we are, we're in some difficult times. Uh, if you guys have your Bibles, turn to Colossians 3, Colossians chapter 3, and while you're turning there, I want to talk, uh, talking to pastors, one of the things that, that I realize is that all of us have been facing difficult times. Most of the pastors uh, also are going through times. Can you imagine being in a situation where no matter what you decide, someone is going to think what you're doing is wrong? It's probably like being president of the United States. If you, if you open your church, you're trying to kill grandma, and if you keep it closed, you have no faith. If you make everyone wear a mask, you're killing their freedom, and if you don't make everyone wear a mask, you're being thoughtless and careless. If you sing, you are spreading a horrible virus, and if you don't sing, you're not really a church, and so on and so on and so on. Welcome to pastoring in the age of corona. This is the situation that not only this church, but all the churches across America are, are facing today. It is a difficult time, and it is a, a bad situation, and, and, and it's been a struggle. Just to be honest with you, it has been a struggle for me. I've struggled with every decision we've made. I have, I have heard from many people, both, both the pros and the cons, and every decision that we make has not come without a price. There have been folks that told me I didn't care about others, and there have been folks that told me that I was not using and exercising faith. There, I have heard so many things, and one of the encouraging things about my sabbatical is knowing that I'm not alone that other pastors are going through somewhat similar things and other congregations are facing similar problems. But, but you can tell we've got a bad situation. Look around you this morning. We're now seeing about half of what we used to see before March. Where did they go? When will they come back? Will the church ever be the same? And the answer is it may never be the same. And, and in a way, that's not a bad thing. Actually, I don't want to go back to the status quo. I'm not satisfied with where we were. I'm not 
thrilled with the prospects of just continuing where we were before. And it's my great hope that when we do come back, whenever that, that hump is reached, that we will come back better, stronger, renewed, and maybe even a little bit closer to Jesus. You know, this isn't the first time God's people have experienced difficult times. In fact, I, I believe if you read the Word of God, one of the things that we should expect almost are difficult times. One of, one of my favorite passages is in the Gospel of John chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus says, you know what, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. We seek the Lord, we inquire of the Lord, and, and, and the constant thing that keeps us coming back is, is our mission. What is, what is the mission of our church? God has specifically put us here for a reason and a purpose, and one of the things that I sought God is I kept coming back to this mission. The purpose of Kennebec Baptist Church is to reach Anger and beyond with the gospel of Christ. That is who we are, that is what we exist to do, and that is our mission. It is to reach out to the lost and dying world that doesn't have hope and to shine the light of Jesus Christ on them. Undoubtedly, these are tough times and perhaps some of the toughest times that we've ever faced in our life, but the church of Jesus Christ has been through tough times before. So the question is, how do we make the most out of a bad situation? Well... <clears throat> I want to look back to December 1914 for a little history lesson. Now, for those of you who may not be great students of history, I don't know if you know this, I love history. I, I'm, a, I'm a big, huge, I love to study, I love to learn history. It was my favorite subject in school. In fact, I, I don't understand people that don't do well in history. See, history is one of the few classes that if you pay attention, you'll pass. It's not like math where you have to grasp a difficult concept. I was terrible at math, but history, man, all you have to do is pay attention and pretty much you're going to pass history, amen? And those of you shaking your head, y'all just didn't pay attention. December 1914, there's a line on the French and German border that extends for hundreds of miles. French troops and British troops are dug into these trenches and on the other side, usually about 100 yards or more away, are German troops. Now, for a couple months now, they've been firing at each other, lobbing cannons and ball, you know, shooting back and forth. But, but during, as Christmas time is approaching, these guys are just tired of fighting. They're tired of the trench warfare. And all along the lines, an undedicated truce starts to break out. The, 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 up, the higher ups, the, the generals are, are absolutely beside themselves. The guys have quit fighting each other. And they've begun to sing Christmas carols in the trenches. And then the oddest thing happens on December 24th and December 25th of 1940, all, 1914, all along the lines of the World War I, they begin to sing Christmas carols. They begin to come out into no man's land and they begin to exchange gifts with one another. These guys who just a few weeks before were shooting each other and killing each other, all of a sudden start celebrating Christmas together. They made the best out of a bad situation. The other day I was reading the Bible and fretting about so many things. Yes, sometimes pastors fret. I mean, that's got to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm human. Thinking about everything that was going wrong and, and, and all of a sudden this passage just jumped out at me. And, and here it is, God's Word speaking to God's man who, who was fretting about difficult times. And just like that, I felt the Spirit of God saying, why don't you just try this, Mark? Why don't you just do this? 
So I'd like to share with you the words that God gave me today that, that I was thinking of. Man, look at the situation we're in. God, how, how are we going to get through this? What, how are we going to make something work? How, how do you make the best out of the situation that we're in, Lynn? And here it is. Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. Stand with me, if you will. Now, this could have been, we could have titled this so many different things. How to live the Christian life. How to live your best life now. Uh, there, there's so many titles, but, but as I was thinking about the situation I'm in, God said, man, if you'll just do this, you can make the best out of any situation. Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you so you also must do but of all the but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful father in the name of Jesus may we hear your words today and may they speak to our hearts and Lord if there's someone here that has never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior if there's somebody here this morning, if there's somebody watching online that's never made their peace with you, they feel an emptiness inside, something is missing in their life, may they, may they know today that what is missing is Jesus, and He right now can save their very soul. I ask you to bless our service today in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. So, have you ever wondered what it was like for Christians in Colossae? This, this letter is written to, to a church that's in modern-day Turkey. Uh, it, it's not far from the church in Laodicea. In fact, later on in, in, in this letter, he's going to say, by the way, I sent a letter to the guys in Laodicea, and, and I sent you guys a letter, and I want you all to swap later on. Now, we don't know about the letter to Laodicea. It, it never has been found, never has been discovered. Maybe, maybe God just didn't want, obviously he didn't want that in his Bible. But... In Colossae, there was a false religion where they practiced worshiping angels. The archangel Michael was one of the big guys that they just worshiped him, and they, they, they gave him all the credit for all the good things that were going on there. And not only that, of course, there were pagans that were being worshipped. There were pagan worship going on. Colossae was a bad place to be a Christian. Christians were in the minority. Christians were looked down upon. They were, they were the weirdos of their time. So, so what does God say to these Christians? And you sort of think about it. It's sort of like the situation we find ourselves in today, is it not? I mean, Bible-believing Christians are now a minority in the United States. Bible-believing people that are actually have a biblical worldview, that, that's less than 10% of, of Americans, according to the last Barna survey. So, so, so what, what does God say? How, how do we make the best out of a bad situation? How do we make the best of the life that we have? Well, here's what the Word of God says. Look at the first point here. Number one, uh, look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Now, don't just have faith. That's what it's saying. You don't just have faith. You wear it. Do you remember Ephesians chapter 6 where, where it tells us to put on the armor of God? That word for put on, very same word here in the Greek. It literally means to, to fall into something. Now, let's look at what it says here. It's talking about the, therefore as the elect of God. What does the word elect mean? Uh, elect means that you are chosen. 
It means you're special. Remember the, the story of, the, of the, the grandfather and the grandson walking along the beach, and, and as the grandson sees all these stranded starfish along the beach, he starts to pick a starfish up and throw it back into the ocean. And the beach is literally covered with starfish. And the grandfather's like, son, what are you doing? You're not going to make much of a difference. There's, there's so many of them. And he grabs a little starfish and throws it into the ocean. And he says, what made all the difference to that one? We're like the starfish on that beach. And God has come along. And, and, and through his mercy and grace, he has, he has pulled us by his spirit. He has chosen us. We are the elect of God. And, and then not only has, has God made us a, a part of his family, but it says that we are holy. The word holy means that we are set apart. And then, then the word beloved means that it actually literally adds the word much to the word love. It is much loved. Paul is talking here. The word of God is speaking to believers, and it says that we are, we are special. We have been set apart by God, and we are much loved. And then look at what the Word of God says. It says, we are to put on things. What is he saying? He's like, don't just have faith. Put your faith on. Make it evident. Let other people see it. And I want to show you something this morning. <clears throat> I absolutely love this jacket. It was given to me by, by someone in our church years ago. My, my wife can't stand it. She says it's way too loud. But to me, it is the most beautiful jacket I've ever had. Because when I wear it, everybody notices. You, you notice this thing. It, when I put this thing on, you can see, man, oh, out of the way, if you see my wife before the 11 o'clock service, do not tell her about this. Let her be just as surprised as you are. All right? This is what our faith is supposed to be like. As followers of Jesus Christ, when we put on these things, man, it should be evident to a lost and dying world, there's something different about you. You're going to stick out, man. You put on something like, like the thing. There are five things that the Word of God asks us as believers. Man, if you and I are trying to make the best of the situation that we're in in this world today, then there are five things that you and I can do that I believe are going to make not only our lives better, but the lives of those around us better. Number one, thing it says is tender mercies you see that in verse 12 tender mercies now there's another word for that the word is compassion compassion the, the word literally means that that, that 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 we're to have bowels of mercy in fact the greek term literally says bowels of compassion because see the greeks believe that your compassion your deeper emotions were located right down here in your guts that man, when you got really deep inside somebody, you went into their guts. Now, we believe, uh, obviously in our society, that the deepest emotions run inside of our hearts, right? But, but the word literally means bowels of mercy. And it's talking about this idea of having compassion. Now, think about the world outside us these days. Think about what's going on outside of the world in the world. The, the, there are, uh, from what I've heard, about half of small businesses might not make it. There are a lot of things that seem to be turning upside down. There are a lot of people without hope. Many of the businesses that have closed may never re reopen, and the political tensions are running higher than they have ever run in my lifetime. People need compassion. They need someone like you and me to step in and show them the love of Jesus. You know, a couple of weeks ago when, when this COVID craze was at its peak, uh, my, my stepdad had a stroke. He had a mini stroke and had to go to the hospital. 
And, and I don't know if you guys have been around a hospital, but hospitals are crazy these days with, with all this COVID mess going on. And it's just not like it used to be. In fact, the way I had to pick up my stepdad, I actually had to go to a, to a side door at Wake Med to pick him up where, where it used to be you would drop people off for surgery. Now you're picking them up from, from the hospital. And, and it was just a crazy day. And people are lined up, and, and I'm in line, and I got the door open. It's pretty obvious I'm waiting on somebody, and, and there's a car behind me. But the lady in the car behind that guy seemed very antsy. And when she got into the line and, and realized it wasn't moving, she started backing up. Well, there was a guy behind her, and he began to honk at her because she's getting ready to run into his car. And this poor lady starts to fret, and I can hear her just yelling, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know where to go. And the guy behind her says, go over to the parking lot. And he didn't use very good language, but there was a parking lot right across the street where she could park. And I watched, of course, now she had my attention, and as soon as she came into the parking lot, the parking lot attendant had the courtesy to put up the big clothes sign. Now, she's a, a, a very uh, short and round uh, African-American lady, and, 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 and I can hear her just arguing with the parking lot guy. I just need to park my car. I don't even know. I've never been here before. And, and, and the guy had no mercy. And finally, it just got the best of me. So I ran across the street, and I says, lady, I said, I'm getting ready to pick up my stepdad. I said, but I know this hospital real well. There's a parking lot on the other side of the hospital where you can park for free. And if you'll just get in line over here, go, up, go ahead and get in front of me, and there's a, there's a space over on the other part of the circle, and wait. You can just follow me, and I'll drive you right to that spot. Soon enough, they got Jimmy out, and we loaded him up, and I, I said, follow me. And I took her to the free spot, which not a lot of folks know about, between where the staff parks and where everybody else parks. There's a free spot at Lake Med. And when she opened up her trunk, I got her, her bags out. And it was a, you know, her car wasn't all that good. Her bags, they weren't great. She obviously didn't have a lot of money. And she said, my husband has been in Wake Med for eight weeks, and I haven't seen him. They thought he was going to die, but he's pulled through. And today, I get to see my husband. And she was from Wilmington. She'd never been to Wake Med. They had flown her husband up there. All she needed was somebody to show her some compassion. I was able to be Jesus. I had prayer with her out in the parking lot. I asked her if she was a believer, and she said yes. And I walked her up to him when we found a nurse. They were on the shift change, and the nurses were coming in. And I... I asked the nurse, could you help her? And she said, I'd be more than glad to help her. And she helped this lady in, and I may never see that lady again on this side of eternity. But God put me where I needed to be, and I was able to help somebody. The world needs compassion these days. We need people who can look around and show the tender mercies of Jesus to someone that is hurting. Look around you this week. See if there might not be someone that God puts in your path that needs some compassion. Second thing the Bible says here is, is, is the word kindness. In fact, I, man, if my sister were here, we could quote Ephesians 4.32, at least the King James Version, be ye kind one to another. That's what mama always would quote when she and I would start fussing. Be ye kind one to another. Let me ask you a question. Would people around you describe you as being kind? 
With the world returning to possible lockdown, with COVID running rampant, with, with all the political unrest and, and all the daily stresses of life, how badly does the world need kindness today? How badly do people need to see us wearing kindness? We need to wear compassion. We need to wear kindness. And the, the third thing it says here is humility. Now, Nelson's Bible Dictionary defines humility as a freedom from arrogance that grows out of the recognition that all we have and all we are comes from God. Man, I, I want to just tell you, I struggle sometimes with humility. I, I struggle with, with, with asking people for help. I struggle with, with, with being able to, to just take a step back and look at where I'm at. I, I struggle with these things sometimes. But, oh, the world needs to see people in humility loving Jesus. The fourth word is, is meekness, and that's pretty much humility put to action. Nelson defines it as an attitude of humility toward God and gentleness toward men. It is humility lived out daily. And then the fifth thing that it asks us to do, the ask, ask us to put on long-suffering, which y'all know I struggle with this one. That's called patience. You think patience is a virtue? Do you think the world needs patience? If you don't think the world needs patience, let me just ask you to go work in a fast food restaurant drive through for a day. If you don't think the world needs patience, just sit and see what people get bent out of shape over in the world. I, I remember, you know, my very first job was working at McDonald's. And, and man, they had just come out with, I'm so old, they had just come out with the drive-thru. I mean, that was, that was a pretty new deal when I got there. And I can remember people getting, I mean, just bald face yelling and cussing at my managers over a hamburger. And thinking to myself, what a sad person this must be. What a sad life they must have. Patience, folks. Be patient. We're in difficult times. Other people are struggling too. We're not the only ones with these problems, right? Everybody's struggling. We're all trying to figure things out. Be patient. We're in difficult times. And what people need to see is a little bit of patience. Now, there's a second thing it says here in the Word of God. And the second point I want to make is that we need to learn to forgive and to freely live. Do you, do you want to know how to have inner peace in a troubled world? Step one, learn to forgive. Uh, the church at Colossae most likely had issues. I mean, it's pretty obvious that, that some folks got on the nerves of other folks. And some folks probably hurt each other's feelings. And what does the Bible say? It says forgive. Look, look at the verse. Look at the verse. It, it says here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, bearing with one another. Now that word bearing with means putting up with. It means putting up with everybody's warts. It means loving each other despite of our flaws. You want the secret to marital happiness? Here it is, folks. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. That, that's the secret to marital harmony. Amen? Do you want the secret to a happy church? It is bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Do you want to know how to make the best out of a bad situation? You bear with other people and you forgive other people. Do you know what? Um, my dad, man, I, I, my dad was from Alabama and he was a, a big football fan. And, I, you know, it was pretty rare up here to watch a team from Alabama play football on the three stations that we had. 
We had ABC, CBS, and NBC when I was a kid. And every once in a while, Alabama football would come on national television. And I can remember my dad, man, he didn't miss Alabama football. And I remember him, and in, that, in those days, the legendary coach, Bear Bryant, was coaching that Crimson Tide, and they, they, I don't think they ever had a losing record. And I can remember my dad on national television watching that and telling Bear Bryant what he was doing wrong. My dad would watch Bear no, 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 don't do that. You need to do this. And everybody's got a better idea. I want to tell you something about your preacher. I am not going to preach like you think I should at times. I'm not going to pastor like you think I should at times. I'm going to do things that you don't think I should be doing. And guess what? You may be right. You may not be. But the Bible says that you're to bear with one another. You are to love me warts and all. And go, if you don't like the way I do it, there's, there are 4,000 other Southern Baptist churches in North Carolina. You don't have to put up with it, right? But if you can bear with it and say, you know what? I bet on Mark's trying his best. I bet on Mark's doing the best he can. And you know what? I'm going to try my best to overlook your warts. And you overlook my warts. And guess what? We might just make it. We might just be able to succeed in this thing called life. We might just be able to grow God's church and, 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 and become the church that Jesus Christ wants us to be. But we have to learn to bear with one another and to forgive one another. And the Bible says, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Do you think that forgiveness is an option? Have you read the Bible? You know what I read when I read the Word of God? The Bible never says, if you want to forgive. If you possibly might think you're desiring to forgive. The Bible, when it talks about forgiveness, first of all, it assumes that the, the reader is forgiven. That you and I have received God's forgiveness. And second, it says, since you've received it. When I was a kid, we used to have this song, man. It was a hit song. It was contemporary in my day. It said, freely, freely you have received, now freely, freely give. You've received God's mercy, you've received God's grace, and you have received his forgiveness. And now, guys, it's time to share that with someone else. I don't know a single marriage that would make it if those who are married did not learn how to forgive, right? Amen? I mean, because the man is going to mess up. He's going to do something dumb, and his wife is going to have to forgive him. Amen? And all the women in church said amen. Learn to forgive and freely live. You want to make the best of a bad situation, be a forgiving person. Be able, and how do you know when you've forgiven somebody, by the way? How do I know that, that I've gotten past it? I'll tell you how. Back in my last church, man, I had a guy that just absolutely did me wrong. I mean, this guy was just as mean as a rattlesnake uh, and, and he was, he was, oh, he was just cunning. He was conniving. He was the kind of guy that, that really makes the pastor wonder, is he even saved? And, and this guy did me a terrible wrong. I mean, he was absolutely ruthless to me. And, and, and to the point where that I had to bring in the deacons, we had to sit this guy down and talk to him. And I had to, though, this is the hard part. I had to tell him that I forgave him. And you know what that guy said? I don't care. I don't care. 
I don't need your forgiveness. I said, no, you don't need my forgiveness. I need to forgive you. You see, I need to forgive you because of the bitterness inside of me, not because of you. But you know how I knew I'd forgiven him? Sunday morning, he walked into church. He always sat uh, in that empty spot right there. See that empty seat right there? He sat in that empty seat, and he would do his arms just like this every Sunday. I dare you to preach to me. You could, you could be Billy Graham ain't listening to you. And uh, you don't know what it's like to preach to a guy every Sunday that sits there like this, stares you down. I just ignored him. But I knew that I had overcome it on the day that I looked at him and didn't go, grrr. You know what I'm saying? You know how it is. I mean, y'all are married, right? Some of y'all are married. Y'all know. They do you wrong and you go, grrr. And how do you know that you've gotten over it the day you look at them and you don't go, grrr, right? That's how you know that you've been able to forgive. And, and this is what the Word of God says, bearing with one another. That means you're putting up with them. And forgiving one another. All right. The, the third point that they need to make here. Love fully. Do you remember uh, earlier on it said that we're to put on the, the five things that the, the Bible tells us to put on, right? Uh, tender mercies, which is compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. Now, now it's going to tell us to put something else on. Look at verse 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, what does love mean? This word for love, it is the Greek word agape. It really means it's the best illustration I have is, is that there's no love like it on this earth, but if we could get close, it would be a mom's love for her kid, man. Now, I'm not saying every mom, because not every mom has that, but, but most of it, man, I mean, most of us grew up with good moms, right? If you grew up with a good mom, you praise the Lord Jesus for that, amen? And, and, and if you didn't have a good mom, you probably were a good mom, right? And, and you love those kids, and you would give your life for those kids. And you, you remember what it's like, man, when everything is going wrong in life, you could always turn to mom, right? This is the kind of love it's talking about here. It is a, a selfless, sacrificing love, which the Bible says is the bond of perfection. And it says not only are we supposed to put on those five attributes, but we're supposed to put on love. Let everybody see it. Put on love. Put it on, man. It needs to be shown in your life. What does the bond of perfection mean? What does it mean when it says above these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection? The New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, bind us all together in perfect harmony. Do you hear that? Love binds us together in perfect harmony. What does this look like? Uh, do you remember what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 13? If you have your Bibles, man, this is a verse worth underlining. Look at John 13. John chapter 13, and, and when you look at what he says here in verse 34, this is Jesus as he's preparing his disciples for his departure. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, I just want to tell you, folks, I want to pastor a church 
where people from the outside complain they're just too loving in that church. I, I want to pastor the kind of church where, where when someone walks in, every person that walks in those doors says, man, that is a church that loves one another. I, I want people to just absolutely be smothered in love. I, I'm that kind of person, man. I, I'm that kind of husband, man. I, I kiss my wife. I love my wife. I, I love on her all the time. She knows she's loved. I, I tell my kids I love them. My kids don't have to wonder, does dad love me? Now, they might wonder if dad's crazy, but they don't wonder, does dad love me? I, I smother them with love. That's the church I want to pastor. That's the church I want to be. How about you? How about we from this day forward say everybody that walks through, well, right now we're walking through these doors, right? But everybody that walks through these doors is going to feel the love of God. We're going to go out of our way to love the people that God brings into this church. We're going to go out of our way to, to be that church. And if anyone's going to complain about Kennebec Baptist Church, let them say they are too loving. They are too much in that church. That's the church I want us to be. Well, there's the final thing that it says here. If you want to make the best out of a bad situation, live at peace and be thankful. Go back to Colossians chapter 3. And here in verse 15, the Bible says this. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Now, what is God's peace? Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 describes it as a peace that surpasses all understanding. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 tells us that this is the peace that comes between God and man. And it's the peace without, with, with God and it's the peace within, within yourself. Romans 12, 18 tells us if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all men. And then finally, it says here, be thankful. Man, even in the midst of a bad situation, we've got so much to be thankful for, don't we? I mean, think about the things you have. You have your family. You have your friends. You have your home. You have your clothes. You have your food. Man, this past week, we had a missionary from India speaking over here in the, in the fellowship hall. And they were talking about people in the slums of India. And this is a, a, large, a large portion of the population of India lives in a house no bigger than this stage right here. The entire family lives in a house with, with, made out of tin with a tin roof over the top of it. And, and when it rains, the, the floodwaters come in and flood the houses with sewage. And a large portion of the, of, the, of the cities in India, the people are living like that. When's the last time your house got flooded with sewage? When's the last time you missed a meal? When's the last time you struggled to find enough clothes to put on your body? We are the most blessed generation the world has ever seen and the least thankful. It seems like the more we have, the less we rely on God and the less we thank Him for. Be thankful. If you look around you this morning, you should see friends. You should see family. Be thankful. You're sitting inside a church. It is climate controlled. Be thankful. We have so many things to be thankful for, but most of all, the greatest thing you and I have to be thankful for is Jesus.
You see, if you have Jesus, you're always going to have something to be thankful for. And if you have Jesus, you're always going to have peace inside of your soul, a peace that passes all understanding. So live at peace and be thankful. Look for things to be thankful for. As you leave the congregation, if you leave the church this morning, just start looking at things that you've got to be thankful for, man. Make the most of a bad situation. Learn to be thankful in every situation you're in. And if you've got Jesus, man, you've always got something to be thankful for because you've got a home in heaven. You've got eternal life. As the musicians are now coming forward, I'm going to just ask you to do me a favor right now. I want you to examine yourself. I want you to, to look inside yourself and ask yourself this one question, though. The most important thing I need to do all these things is Jesus. The, the, the one element that's going to make all this work is Jesus. So let me ask you a question this morning. Have you had a life-changing encounter with Jesus? And if not, why don't you write this morning? Why don't you say, you know what, Lord Jesus, today... I'm going to commit my life to you. If, that, if that's the need of your heart, during this invitation, man, I'm going to be right here, man. We can talk. You can walk in here with all the sins of the world. You can walk out that door a brand new creation in Christ. Will you bow your heads as we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would this morning just speak to the hearts of these people. If there's any man, woman, child that's never made their peace with you. If there's someone here, Lord, that's, that's maybe they felt empty inside. They felt like something was missing in their heart. I pray today they realize what's been missing is a relationship with you made by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Father, just move in your church during this invitation today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've been encouraged by the message that you've heard today. If you would like to know more about how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, feel free to contact us at kennebecbaptist.org. kennebecbaptist.org. May God bless you and richly keep you until we meet again.